All right. Well, hey, Raquel. It's been hey. way, way too long for us being on the mic together. I know. So happy to be back. And I can see you. I'm seeing you. I know. I know. For the, our dear listener, we've never, we usually don't record looking at each other. And now we're recording looking at each other. It's pretty special. She's better looking than I am, Biffer. That's, that's for freaking sure. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you missed me? I've missed you so much. How is the breadwinning going? How are the kids? How's the puppy? Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Doing soccer, soccer momming, doing swim momming, doing all the, the things and the working mom. And See, that's that was my goal was to secretly uh, make sure my kids didn't get into any sports. So, you know, we, we tried to be supportive, but sports breadwinning mom is just not a combo that I want in oh, any no. way. It's I'm the mom who doesn't show up at the games on weekdays, which is which is great. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, and then if they get too good and they get put on a travel team, yep, th- that's the freaking worst. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh how great, how how wonderful! I'm so glad your child is athletic and whatnot. So yeah, well, well, so you know, here we are. We are shaking up our format. Nothing like doing what like 150 episodes and then. Deciding to do a new direction. Yep. Trying something new. (laughs) We got to keep it going. We are very forward thinking women. Always. 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 So if you are new to the breadwinners, I'm Jennifer Owens. I'm Rachel Ellison. We talk about all things work and family, which essentially means life. I don't know. Is there there anything that's not in work and family? Is there anything outside of that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Not for us. So if you've been a longtime fan or a new time fan, the best way to support us is to rate and review our show. Uh, wherever you get our show, I know that every show says this, but it's true. It really does help us. Following our socials, we're on what well, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Send any questions or comment our way. We we love it. We answer them all. We they turn into shows. We're very excited about that. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's uh, Breadwitter's merchandise, of which oh, Raquel true. and I are always wearing. Yes. So T-shirts that's and sweatshirts. And we, we really... Mugs, you know. Mugs, right. There's a link to that in our show notes. So, you know, that helps support the show as well. So, you know, please go and wear that and spread the gospel of the Breadwinners. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> At every every turn. So, all right. So, this season, we're going to try something new. Ooh. We're going to look at a concept. We're going to look at a trend, something, something that we all just know about breadwinning. So, you know, and that's typically about working in women. And we're, my goal for us is to track it back to where it all starts. And so, this week, Raquel knows that we're going to talk about working moms. And we are going to talk about where that phrase comes from, you know, because haven't we always had working moms? And so we're going to talk about that. And, okay. but don't tell her, but my, my actual goal is to blow her mind. So <gasps> I can't wait. I'm so excited. So I'm literally excited. at the edge of my seat. Everybody. So are you ready to get to work? Working I'm mom? ready. Let's okay. work and let's work it. So, okay. So we're going to start, you know, with working moms, we're going to Start with, uh, this is like Nicolas Cage finding the map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. 
<laughs> Never saw like, that movie. Really? Oh my God. My kids love that movie. So, you know, this is my buildup and already I have failed. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Usually I'm so good with all the references. So, uh, I know usually you are. Okay, so this, we're going to just have to cut all this. We'll just come. No. What is working mother? And why do we typically say working mother? Why don't we say working parent? Why don't we say working father? You know, generally, I used to get hit with this all the time when I ran working mother, which was, you know, why do you call it working parent? And so I wanted to start with the idea that when we're saying working mother, at least at Working Mother Magazine, we are traditionally talking about people who are earning wages that help support their family and mm-hmm. that kids are 18 or under. You know, it's basically, you know, yes, I, like we will be working mothers when our kids are in college and whatnot. But traditionally, when we're talking about working mothers, we're talking about the kids are at home and you're supporting the family and that sort of thing. So I'm going to start with friend of the show. Stephanie Kuntz, who has been mm-hmm. a guest on our on the Breadwinners, she is director of research and public education at the Council on Contemporary Families, and she she has an amazing focus. She you know she studies the uh, history of work and family, so we're going to reference her today. And so I am going to give you a quote to read to get us started. Oh, Look at this. this so, okay, is, okay. So, here she okay. comes. All right. So this here, is what she says. Go. Throughout history, women were not seen as economic dependents. Getting married and starting a household was like starting a business in which the housewife was a productive partner and co-provider for her family. It wasn't until the mid-19th century that the adjective working was applied to some mothers, with the implication that the only work that counts is done outside the home and for wages. So here's a funny thing. When do you think we started tracking Working mothers. Tracking? Yeah. So she's saying not until the mid-19th century, but I think we started, like, as a culture? Um, No, uh, actually tracking it. It starts with the census. Oh, tracking. Yeah. Oh, I'm slow. Okay. It's during Lincoln's time. It's the 1860 census. That's the first time we asked what sort of a job do women have? And so by extent, you know, we then know if you're a mother, we are the first time we can see working mothers more clearly. Oh, interesting. And so the phrase starts to pop up in the 1860s. And so how many people were working outside the home and to so- help support their family in 1860? This is my pop quiz to you. Oh my God. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> do the number guess. Really? Doesn't that seem kind of high? It does seem kind of high. I mean, because I have the mindset that like, you know, working mother, I mean, you know, the settlers, you know, people, I just finished reading a book about the early settlers of Ohio, which was, you know, an extent we were breaking into new territories and claiming it from the Native Americans who live there. And, you know, all that sort of jazz is going on. Those women were working, but that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about women who are you know, earning wages outside the house. And it's like seven and a half percent. That just seems kind of high. It does seem, it does seem pretty high. I got to say, huh? All the surprises. I'm excited. So, so ancestry.com analyzed census data from the 1860s on and found out 
that just like with this moment with the pandemic and the great resignation that you can see the changing employment trends for moms, uh-huh. you know, by what's happening in the nation. And so the women's suffrage movement impacts it. There are regional yeah. trends. And then you know what the big one is that happens in, in the last century. Because we talk about it, it's Rosie the Riveter. Right, sure. So that's the first huge jump we see in women, it, which seems as much as seven and a half percent seems high to start. Yeah. World War II seems kind of late to see it jump, right? Yeah, that's quite the gap. So it says, so I, I have uh, the notes that they say is, with so many fathers going off to war for the first half of 1940, the nation called upon women to join the workforce like never before. This ushered in the highest growth rates for working women in the country since 1860. But it didn't last. Which is, and yet, there is double-digit growth for the next four decades, from 1950 to 1990. So it's like a spike, and then it goes down, but then there's still double-digit growth going on every decade. Huh. Isn't that weird? I just find it's kind of weird when we're in the, in the thick of it as supporting our families, you know? Yeah. So when, here's yeah. my new pop quiz for you, when is the actual biggest growth? Because the World War II is not the biggest influx of working moms. No? mm I'm making this up, like 60, okay, (laughs) 70, no. 1980. 1980? Yep. Holy crap. It said the highest growth over the entire 150-year timeline occurs in 1980 with 12.6% that boosts the percentage of working mothers to 52%. So 52% of women with kids under 18 are now working in 1980. Got it. See, I should have known because that's when Mr. Mom came out. Right. And then, because I do have my pop culture references. And what was that movie with um, where the, oh. Is it Baby Bust? Yeah, baby, baby bust with um, baby boom Diane or Keaton. Yeah, or where it's like, oh my god, she's like a working woman, she's but working now she has mom. a kid. Crazy. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then later followed by "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dad." I mean, I feel like we yeah. the eighties really, yeah. And so that's when working mother as a phrase, like now we're talking about it, right? Okay. So, and it's. This is led by college-educated white women returning to the workplace after having kids. Mm-hmm. But Because meanwhile, of course, you know, there's women of color, lower-income women, single moms. They're all, you know, they've always been there. But there's this huge, like, influx of the college-educated dink, dual income with kids. Isn't that what they call that? Like, um, that. enters the workplace. So, and you know that because then... It's my world is because, of course, if there's a trend that women are in the workplace, they need their own magazine. So right. that's 1979 is when Working Mother magazine launches. Oh, 79, huh? Yeah. So and so my mentor, Carol Evans, was part of the team that launched this. It was part of McCall's. It was a spinoff of old McCall's magazine for uh-huh. those of us who have been around for everything. They had done a test in 1978, and then, yeah, they went live in 1979. And then in, uh, later on, they would start the, in 1985, they'd do the best companies list. 
mm-hmm. which I would take over to in trying to get company, you know, like get them to compete on actually serving working moms, you know, better, which as we all know, anything you do for a working mom typically serves everyone else in the workplace. But so Carol uh, was part of that original team and she'd go back to be the first like working mom to actually buy working mother 30 years later. But she says it was a fast paced change and it was very hard because people thought either we were proselytizing for mothers to work or Mm -hmm. they thought it was a really horrible thing. I had to debate a lot of people like Phyllis Schlafly. I debated her on TV about whether moms should work almost every year for years. Wow. You know, like to even to start a magazine to serve like this amazing jump of people going into the workplace and then have to defend that you would have a magazine for the women doing it. So she says um, it was a very different magazine when I got there. But like the headlines, she's not working for pin money anymore. Wow. It was for a story about women aspiring to earn more than small amounts of cash for incidentals. When a den mother goes to work, about a Cub Scout mom going oh, to work. Oh, okay. Because, you know, a lot of that those early magazines are like saying, see, you're not alone, you know, which is right. constantly, you know, a magazine thing. And then how, <laughs> my the how-to stories, how to fashion a skirt out of a scarf. <laughs> wow. Cool. Why would I want to do that? But no, better would have been to do the ones where they taught you how to um, like wear your shoulder pads like the right way. And, you know, you remember the fashions of the early oh, 80s. I totally do. No, I used to love those magazines. My grandmother, my late grandmother, Anne, she ended her career as a senior VP of a commercial real estate company and started out like really, where did she start out? I think she started out anyway. But she loved like all of those magazines that would give you the DIY tips. Really? And, like, yeah. And so I would collect that. I love those. Like the good, like good housekeeping was one of them, but that was obviously not about working mothers, but yeah, but I love the idea. I love the idea that there was kind of a version for scarves and skirts. Well, Carol says that women we're desperate to have solutions and answers and they want to be really, really excellent work. They want to be excellent mothers and that's why they want to talk about it. Nobody wants to be a mediocre mom and very few people want to go to work without feeling powerful about it. You know, which is yeah. the same is true today, you know? Yeah. So I thought we would take a moment. I guess uh, we did this rundown, which is it. I can't remember doing this, but it still cracks me up of ads from Working Mother Magazine in the 80s. So okay. I'm sending you links. Oh, hey. Hold on. If you okay. scroll down, not your average commute. That is... <laughs> you can describe for our readers. Sure. So <laughs> there's a woman. <sighs> Why would this be an ad? <laughs> Why would it be an ad? Well, it, it's the maiden form woman. She's modeling some underwear and she's modeling a bra and underwear. And she's getting off a helicopter or something with her briefcase. Well, there's a helicopter there. Let's not assume. <laughs> now, and she's wearing like a a raincoat. She's wearing like a very, yeah, like very shiny trench coat raincoat with a with like a traditional briefcase. The yes. maiden poor woman. And and underwear. I mean, and that's, you know, that's all she's wearing. I have to say, (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Hold on. So I'm looking at this. So it's called, I don't know why this bothers me, but it's called, the bra and underwear set are called sweet nothings. <laughs> You know, I want something. If I'm going to go to the, you know, I want actual support. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not sweet. Nothing. Also, what is she wearing on her feet? Okay. All right. Oh, she's wearing like strappy sandal heels after she's going to. On the dock from the helicopter. (laughs) I like that she's coming in. She's like commuting in with the helicopter. Like she's, you know. No, I gotta say, I it, it's such a strange. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Okay, here comes another one. Okay, do I scroll down? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's number ten of this list, which we will put we will put it in the the show notes. But it's the Fem Irons tips for the working woman. Okay. All right. You know, job interview jitters. Everyone has them. So calm down and remember. Overconfidence can come on as aggression, and that gets you nowhere. Wow. Especially the job. Fashionably late? Yes, to our cocktail party. No to the office. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, my God. You can do the next one. (laughs) Thank you. A job reward. A friendly pat on the back from the boss is always welcome. But should it become more lingering, tell him so. He'll know you're no pushover. Lord. Yeah. No, we don't have to report him to HR. Just let him know. Make sure you find time to join a club, take a class, jog at the gym, or wine and dine. Remember, all work and no play can make even you a mighty dull girl. Amazing. And then they talk about iron deficiency. And then iron deficiency. So because this is the classic one, this one I just sent you. Yeah. It's Anjali, do you remember that one? You could bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. Yeah. What was what was that a commercial for though? It was. If you look, it was a it was perfume. Oh, okay, got it. I mean, because a who doesn't want to wear perfume all day long? But yes, that's just a classic. That'll keep you going as a working mother. So. Wow. Wow. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It was. I'm looking at the ad now. She looks. <laughs> She's very, She's very happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never let him forget he's a man. It's great. Okay. Yeah. So 60 years ago, Stephanie Kuntz uh, did a biography of the feminine mystique, which is pretty cool, like kind of looking at it as if, you know, through the context of the, of when it came to be. And she said in that book, she claimed if American housewives could embark on lifelong careers, they would be happier and healthier. Their marriages would be more satisfying and their children would thrive. I just don't believe she thought that perfume was going to cut it. But, you know, there you go. There you go. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. So in 1984, I'm going to send yeah. you th- this article from the New York Times, because you know what happens the minute this happens, you know, that all these women are coming in, we have to start doing the, and I'm part of the media, so I totally, I understand how this happens. But now that you have all this stuff happening and the coming into the workforce, you got to start asking the questions. And in this article, here are the questions they ask. 
the articles, what is it? It's like the role. The working mother as role model. Will their children grow to be better persons and parents? Will they experience conflict as a result of being presented with too many options? <laughs> too Will many they be options. overwhelmed by having to live up to the standards of two achieving parents? This is obviously that we're putting too many options in front of our kids, which, by the way, are we talking about the boys or are we really just talking about the girls? You know, yeah. like, I, mm, will pressures of the working world force mothers to abandon their time-honored role of nurturer and will steer, sexual stereotypes be erased or reinforced? Well, it's until recently, developmental psychologists were not as concerned about the effects of the parental roles on young children as they were about other matters, such as sleep patterns, visual development, and auditory stimulation. It's only in the last decade that professional journals have begun to reflect an interest in how a working mother shapes a child's psychology and personality. My note to myself was, spoiler alert, we always like to lean into anything that says, you're ruining the children. (laughs) What about the children? (laughs) So, you know, I just love it. It's like, you know, we want to, so we want all these women to go get college educations. We want them to work. But the minute you go working after you have a kid, you know, we have some fun, you know, it's along the, it's akin to the whole, like, what people are saying, you know, you don't say you're saying, or you, you set up the straw man of all these questions of like, are you ruining your children? I mean, we're just asking. Yep. Right after Rosie the Riveter. So I might be taking us out a little bit. Maybe we'll, We'll reference this in a future episode, but right after Rose of the Riveter, wasn't there like a really scathing, like there was a big cultural backlash to get everybody to stay home, which was kind of like everybody saying, you know what it like? Yeah. Well, and that something. part of that is that if you take the phrase working mother, there is a like, how great are you? You know, you're going and you're making it happen. You're helping the economy. It's wartime. And then it becomes, ooh, you're a working mother. You know, yeah. you're awful. You need to go home. And then right. in the 80s, with all these women are already now in the workplace, you're like, well, I'm just going to try to undercut you with a bunch of, you know, are you really, do you mean right. to be offering your children this many options? What did, which is like, wait, why is that a bad thing? Like what? Oh, I, I don't. Yeah. So Betty Friedan, I think she's quoted in this article, but yeah, she says the next generation of young women will start from a different place a more confident place about what it means to be a woman. To be sure they face a new set of problems, but there won't be that automatic shrinking away, that sense of being something less. I believe women will enjoy better mental health, more political power, and will relish both their careers and their motherhood. Their sense of possibilities will be lovely. All right. I like it. Yeah. Do you think that's true? (laughs) Like, has that happened? Because that was 1984. (laughs) <laughs> I think in some ways, yes. The sense of possibilities will be lovely, I think, is a little rosy. But I think I agree. I hope so. I would like it to be lovely. I think the sense of optimism and opportunity remains and is is bold. But I think, that's, I, I think those questions are, I don't think people have stopped doing that to working mothers. They, you know, are you doing... You know, do you feel that you've offered enough to you? Are you doing enough? You know. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, though, is she's 
is where she starts that quote, right? She, the next generation of young women will start from a different place, a more confident place. What comes to mind for me is like AOC, mm. right? Like we, she doesn't have kids yet, but she's, she's just coming from a different place, a different place. The, her sense of possibilities. I mean, lovely. Yes. I remember being at this event a million years ago and I was panel, we were in the audience and basically the upshot of the panel was, well, we'll try to fix it for the next generation. Like we're hoping these things for our our daughters. And this woman next to me just like, you know, raises her hand and she stands up and she's like, you told us that, you know, like when I I graduated in the eighties, you said, you know, like, cause when we graduated, I graduated college in the late eighties, early nineties that you know, so we were looking at these women that were already in the workplace and all that stuff and wearing the little man ties and the and the shoulder pads right. and the, like right. we would do better. And I bet you they did look at us and think you are doing better because you come in more. You always stand on the shoulders of giants because then you're right. the older woman. You know, we're the grownups and we look at like an AOC and I'm like, oh, man, I can't. But you just go in there and you just start throwing punches <laughs> like, you know. Right. So. And so that woman was mad because she's like, I thought we were going to have this fixed by 2000, you know, that kind of the thing. But then also you do see someone like AOC or this younger generation, like the people who are holding their employers to account for misogyny at work or racism at work. And I do think Gen X, I mean, as as I paint an entire generation with one brush, but I tend to be like, oh, I'm not going to call out this in this meeting right now because I just, I don't think you're going to change it. I'd rather get yeah. up and leave and go to a different job. You know, like, right. I, I don't think I'm going to fix this culture. And you see this younger generation holding people accountable. Yeah. It tends not to be, I don't know if it tends to be so much on like par- parenting, working parent issues. Right. But, but, but uh, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. So maybe, is it because they start from a a better place? Is that, you know, a different place, a more confident place? I guess so. I think so. I mean, I think for, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I, but I'm I'm glad, you know, which, so to bring it back to Working Mother, so Working Mother magazine went out of print last year, though its website is holding on. And when I was the editor, I was getting the like, you know, why don't you call it Working Parent? Right which because I am of a certain generation and I had been doing this stuff for a long time, A, you got to understand the publishing industry, which is, you know, you don't sell ads to everyone. You have to sell it to art. You know, that's what magazines do. You gather an audience and then you sell ads to that audience. So that's ridiculous is that we're not, you know, women buy magazines. That's who we're going to do ads to. But other than that, I would always say when we've solved it for working mothers, we can talk about renaming the magazine. Just such a bitchy thing to say. (laughs) No, I like it. That's a good retort. But, you know, also because you could see them getting all like, like, I gotcha. You know, it was always the hand would shoot up in the air and you're like, are you going to ask me why the magazine's called (laughs) Working Mother? (laughs) Like, I'm aware, you know. Right. But so now 71% of women with kids are now working mothers or we're in 2020. Okay. 75% among kids under, kids six and older, 75% kids and older, 65 kids six and younger, which stands to reason. I mean, it's tougher to work when the kids are, I did, but it's, it's tough to work 
when the kids are little. So yeah, 71%, which I guess we won't see the impact of, you know, the, all the, the numbers, the terrible numbers we see of women leaving the workforce during the pandemic. I don't know how that's changed that 71%. I, I don't know if that takes that into account. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because again, back to my comment to those, it didn't happen all the time, but sometimes those yeah. working mother, you know, I got you working mother people. We obviously have not solved it for working mothers because who is leaving the workforce? Right. Working mothers. Yeah. And as we go back to work, we still see all this stuff is still land. We didn't, did we not learn anything about this? No, we really, we really, we really just freaking. Ugh. Well, yeah. so Stephanie Kuntz sent me a note this past week that there's new Council on Contemporary Families research. Mm-hmm. She f- says that they find that in the 18 years following the birth of their first child, which is, I love, you know, data people who are very clear. So 18 year kids up to age 18. About 70% of American mothers can expect to be the primary breadwinner in their household for at least a year. Wow. The average time such mothers can expect to be the primary breadwinner is nearly six. I find that fascinating. And I think it's, it rings so true in our house. You know, mm-hmm. there are times where Brett's been laid off. I've been laid off. And like that 40% of women are primary breadwinners in their family. That's a great number, but it's like a it's like an axe swinging number. This gets, right. you know, this is more of a, a surgical number, right? That right because it gets into the duration in a different way. So yeah, mean? yeah. Do you find that shocking? Seventy percent. I think that. I mean, from, yes, I do find that. Shocking. <laughs> I know, right? I, it's I like, do find that shocking. Yeah. And then I'm going to send you. There is a, so then we get into the phrase of working mother. So there was a recent essay on Romper with another lovely friend of the podcast, Catherine Goldstein, who does the Double mm-hmm. Shift podcast. Great. And she and Joe Piazza have, are arguing in their essay that it's time to retire the phrase working mom. And they say, even in their subhead, it says, which, you know, whether or not they write it or other editors, but they say, we're proud champions of working mothers, but the title has got to go. So I pass it to you, how they make their argument. Okay. The terms also allow working mothers, in quotes, like us, to buy into a capitalist narrative that work must have dollars attached for it to have value. We would now like to publicly reject we now realize that our feelings of superiority came from buying into a sexist narrative. Paid employment isn't the only kind of valuable work, and it does not make someone a different category of mother. So then they go on to say it would be still useful to have a term that captures the experience of mothers who have some sort of paid job outside of caregiving. There are still unique challenges and burdens of navigating motherhood in workplaces like unequal pay and job and pregnancy discrimination, but using the word working to modify mothers doesn't do any favors. And I don't know, well, that, but am I too old that like, how can you not, I don't know, can you help me? So (laughs) tell me, tell me what's happening now. Yeah. Because the express, so you're feeling like. So they're saying you never hear the term. So what can we replace it with? Labor force moms, paycheck moms, employed moms. All these shed some of the baggage that the term working mom carries. Or maybe it's just moms. And I'm like, well, 
but how do we define the the issues of like pregnancy discrimination? Yeah. Equal pay, the motherhood penalty, because the penalty we're talking about is in the workforce. I don't know. Is working mom, working mother, working mom, is that a bad term? I mean, should we? I, I really do appreciate them throwing the bomb and saying, yeah. why do we do this? It, we didn't always use this phrase. And we didn't call the, the settler moms, the farmer moms of the 1800s. We didn't call them working moms. Right. You, you know? Like, right. And then we use them to say, we're concerned about the impact that these women are. You know, like it's, it's I don't know. I don't know if you can, w- would labor force moms have any sort of difference? No, I think that would be weird. Maybe that's just me. I just think it would be. I know. Are we old women and we just can't get away from the phrase that is, you know. Well, I mean, I respect this idea. I'd rather go the other way. Everybody's a working parent, right? Like everybody's a working mom. Then go to the point where we're talking about labor force versus non-labor force. They're saying everybody works, which everybody does. Yeah. And there's different types of labor. Awesome. I agree. And let's just call everybody working. <laughs> I know. So I, I already just like flipped myself. Like, what if we use breadwinners? What if, you know, the way of language of saying people of color, uh-huh. moms who are breadwinners, where you put the person first, you know, yeah. people with disability, you put the person first. What if it's moms who work? You know, maybe. No, as opposed, that still doesn't, does, solve doesn't work. Point, okay. I was trying here. I'm trying. Yeah, you're giving it a shot for sure. I mean, I think, yeah. Or do we, is it that we also, another thought I had was, is it that we need to be calling out working grandparents, working dads? Is it that maybe one is that we got to stop just noting women as working moms only? That's another way to go. But then are we not calling? Isn't there a point like, what if there's a dad who is not in the labor force, but is working Mm -hmm. as parents do? And so we're calling his peers working dads. Are we calling him a working dad? Is he making money to bring in to support his, like, is he earning wages somehow? (laughs) And if so, can he help my family? No. (laughs) (laughs) employment, paid employment, isn't the only kind of valuable work and it does not make someone a different category of mother. So no, he's not getting paid. Yeah. So then he's, then he's a dad. I mean, I don't know. It's, um, but if for the dads who are earning wages that we just like forcefully call them working dads, like we would a working mom, you know, they didn't get their own magazine because the magazine industry does not care. (laughs) I'm sure hopefully fatherly is doing well, but it's very hard. It's um, back in the day when magazines were a thing. Brides Magazine was always like, you know, a foot and a half thick, you know, with uh-huh. all the stuff. And then Grooms Magazine was always like, like stapled together, like a, like a, right. something off the, the ditto machine as I date it's myself. A zine. <laughs> yeah, a zine. It's like a zine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, let's see. What other solutions could we propose? Or... I it, see. I just don't think this would ever work. But like, if you did something like caregiving vice president, you know, like you put like right, like I'm a caregiving editor in chief. You know, like right. Yeah. You could 
that seems nuts. But a lot of stuff with languages that changes seems nuts. Yeah. That, and then instead of you modify the job with the caregiving right. as opposed to, you know, because then everyone is caregiving. That's my favorite solution thus far, got to say. Yeah. I just came up with that. Okay. You did just now? Yeah, I just did. I, I have, I've been leading Raquel down this garden path, but that was not, that was just, that was a plant I just made on our, our garden tour. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think. Because you know, the thing, when you think about it, working mom defines you as, isn't it part of the problem? to get super real is that, you know, so I'm, I'm like director of sales, you know, whatever, and a working mom that somehow that always like it lands on you. But what if everybody was, I'm a caregiving or a director of sales who caregives or caregiving, whatever. And you just, cause then some caregiving can be about your parents. It can be about a sibling, your parent, your partner, your kids. And then it's not defined by parenting. Right. Hmm. Right. Yeah. No, I think that I like that. I All like right. That. Well, so we've solved it. And so we'll we've kill solved the it. And as we designed to do, you know, yeah. sit down, you and me can solve all the work yeah. family. I'm a questions. caregiving. Uh, it's a little weird because you have like, I'm a caregiving nurse. But if you got into the use of it, you know, no, like, I think it would become second nature. Yeah. Yeah. Because who isn't a caregiver, but you would say that, you know, except like the intern, maybe that, you know, it's just starting out and doesn't have any extra things going on. So I thought I'd give you a pop quiz. Oh, oh boy. To close us out. Okay. What are the most common job categories for working moms, for caregiving employees? I think you can guess. What are the, basically they're the high. Yeah. I mean, nursing. Yep. Still teaching. Mm-hmm. There's a larger group. It's social assistance, they call it. Oh, okay. You know, I it's that's not too surprising, I think. But the most common jobs for women were as teachers uh, in elementary, middle school, and as registered nurses. Yeah. Okay. So for nearly 80 years, the highest percentage of working moms was in the South, and the lowest percentage was in the Midwest. This is from all the Ancestry.com stuff. Oh, cool. But there's been a shift. And so which states have the highest percentage of working moms? You will not guess this. I'll give you two guesses. Well, you said the South was It when? used to be the South and the Midwest, uh-huh. but now it has shifted. And so let's see, if I look at the list, they're all kind of close to each other, but they're there are states that are higher than most. Where are the most, what's the highest percentage of the population that is a working mother? You I feel will. like there's a trick question. Yeah, it's right. totally a trick question. Do you want to know? Yeah, I just want to know. Uh, South Dakota. Really? Yeah. Huh. South Dakota at 79.9%, followed by North Dakota at 78.9%. Wow. And then it's Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know why. This is just Ancestry.com looking at all the census data. Uh-huh. But yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I mean- That I, is really crazy. Not, I wasn't going to guess that. I was thinking like Nevada. Because I was like, maybe it's just like- All the people ca- working at the casinos? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. I wasn't clear. Oddly, you know, the people doing like blackjack, it's a high working mother. I, I have no idea. Or casinos no better idea. than others. So. so that is my story to you of working moms. That is quite the story. That is quite the story. <laughs> but it is no longer, I think what we what we take away is that it's no longer working moms. It's caregiver executives. Caregiver employees, caregiver workers. I mean, I yeah, I think it's, you know, at first when I read uh, Catherine Goldstein and Joe Piazza's thing, I was like, well, what, you know, when they come up with like paycheck moms or something, it's like, well, yeah. that doesn't solve it. I think they could go even bigger. That's where I'm thinking. It's like, yeah. it's just take the mom out of it. You know, yeah. like it's just about the fact that you want to say that people have complex lives. Yeah. And that if we take out the parenting part of it and just say we're caregiving because we're caregiving to everyone. That's been, I was just talking to someone about the paid leave. Oh, uh, Dr. Cooper, who, uh, Marianne Cooper, yeah. who is one of our guests on the show. One of the things we were talking about is that, you know, the paid leave push always has a bad marketing problem because no matter what they do, they try to say it can be for your partner and it can be for other things, but it's been so viscerally tied to parenting small children. And so yeah. once you're out of that moment, you tend not to be as viscerally tied into the need for paid leave. You, you know it, it, you feel like it's important, but yeah. you don't. And that maybe we've done the same with working mom. Like we viscerally tied it to mothering. And what yeah. we actually mean to say is people are complex. They have lots of demands on their lives yeah. and workplaces should support them in that regard. Ooh, that is a... Yeah, I know. Woo! Great so statement. did we just kill? Did I just kill working mother? Did we just do that? Yeah. yeah, we just did. All right. I like it. You did it. You did it, buddy. Well, this is the breadwinners. I think we're going to call it. And uh, thank you for listening this long into the show if you have, because I know we're going longer because it's a new world. A new format. Thanks, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.